Hi, I'm Jim Paolino, CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions and the host of Lodestar's Lending Leaders. On this podcast, we bring in thought leaders from across the real estate industry and occasionally outside of it to have conversations that are insightful, interesting, and impactful. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Lodestar's Lending Leaders. We have a great de- guest, a uh, good friend of mine, Michael Marino. He's a principal of industry solutions at CoreLogic. Wealth of information about title, appraisal, settlement, all things technology in the industry. He's always been generous with his time. I think the last time we actually saw each other, uh, we were um, crushing some barbecue in Austin um, at one of that last MBA annual conferences. So I'm excited to you know revisit this conversation. Um, just by a little bit of biography here, uh, Michael's in a business development role with CoreLogic with their collateral technology. Uh, you support FNC and the Mercury Network platforms. So all sorts of strategic relationships for AMCs, LOS. I know you've expanded a lot over the past five years. And then beyond that, um, you've been with FNC, Gumtree Mortgage, First Tennessee Bank. Um, and correct me if I, if I missed anything there. Um, got a very better resume uh, laid out for me than I usually get for these. So I appreciate it. No, Jim, man, that's it. That really is. Yeah. So what? tell me a little bit, uh, Michael, about what got you into the industry and what's kept you in the industry. Yeah. So, um, you know, what got me into the industry, honestly, was uh, the housing market crash, uh, 2000, 2008, or 2007, 2008. Um, had originally, you know, studied finance and was really into asset management. And, um, you know, just with the changing tides and, you know, barriers to entry with, you know, a lot of folks losing jobs, um, you know, was really just looking for a great opportunity to kind of get, you know, post-college into the working world and, um, you know, got in with First Tennessee uh, in a small group that was doing warehouse lending. Um, so I was underwriting accounts for, for non-bank uh, mortgage lenders and helping them get access to capital to be able to originate loans. And, you know, honestly, just started out as, you know, just needed a job, wanted to get into the banking world, um, had, had kind of always appreciated what the banking systems do for our economy in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, mortgage kind of fell in my lap. And then it's, it's been a pretty... Uh, interesting ride to kind of see how that's played through of, um, you know, I, I got married and, and moved uh, towns. And when I, when I moved uh, to back to Oxford, Mississippi, um, got a job with Gumtree Mortgage and was actually originating loans. So went from kind of the, the back office side of things, really learning a lot about the space into actually working with consumers on, you know, buying that dream home and learning the process of, you know, how you take things through the GSEs, um, how you get through the whole underwriting, you know, from application all the way to closing. And, um, and then, you know, honestly, I was picking up a, a to-go meal from a local restaurant and had to wait a couple minutes and uh, sparked up a conversation with a guy that was working at FNC at the time. And, um, you know, just from a couple years of learning the jargon of the industry, we, you know, we had a fun conversation for, you know, five, seven minutes. And he said, hey, we need, we need to chat some more. And so um, that, that conversation and run in turned into my, my first job at uh, FNC. And, uh, you know, now being 11 or 12 years into the mortgage space and, you know, last nine years an emphasis on, you know, technology, um, you know, I I wouldn't change it. Um, I really love the space. It really is, um, you know, it's such a backbone of the U.S. economy and homeownership, and it drives so much, you know, from an economic level, micro, macro, just what goes on that, um, you know, technology is not slowing down. And so seeing how technology is continuing to improve the, you know, the home ownership process is really a lot of fun. And uh, I've been grateful for a, a company that's been supportive of that and uh, have gotten the opportunity to meet a lot of great people, including yourself. And, yeah. you know, brings us here today. 
I wouldn't say that much, but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I forget, too, that you were originator, because even now in your role, you're dealing with all sorts of different players in the industry, from the large lenders to title to AMC uh, to you know a bunch of other factors. So looking at kind of technology as a whole over your time, how you feel like you've been trying to roll a boulder uphill this whole time, or is kind of the, how has the view of technology amongst these folks changed? Yeah, so... Evil? Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And, um, you know, some aspects of it move faster than others. You know, I, I will say, uh, <clears throat> I remember uh, being a, you know, a, a originating mortgages and getting back appraisals and opening up a PDF. And I had, a, I think it was on legal paper, because uh, the checklist was so long, and it was a manual check that I used to even do about the appraisal and certain aspects of it, uh, just before I even took it back to processing. And, um, you know, now it's just amazing how much of that whole process is automated and, you know, uh, the background of CoreLogic with the acquisition of, you know, the FNC business unit, as well as Mercury Network and Appraisal Scope is what's really formed the group I work with, which is CoreLogic Collateral Technology. And um, we really refer to it as our, our platform business. And the background of those platforms is the valuation space. <clears throat> FNC was launched about 20 years ago, Mercury about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, processing today, probably around 500, 600,000 loans a month where we're supporting the valuation piece. Mm-hmm. And, and so seeing how the review and automation around those appraisals has changed from even when I used to do it 10 years ago is, is really impressive use of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, everybody's looking for progress. Um, and a lot of folks are, you know, they hate the change in the midst of it. You know, they're used to doing things a lot of ways. So I, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the industry that have seen, you know, great technologies, great, you know, value props around technologies, but a slow adoption process to that. So I think it is, you know, uh, it's a real thing, um, but it's also something that, you know, lenders have to be really cautious of. You know, you got compliance groups, you got a lot of regulators that are overlooking your shoulders. So you, you really have to kind of document why you do things and be able to tell your story. Um, you know, I think back to like middle school math, they always wanted you to show your work. <laughs> uh, I hated that part because I felt like I could get to the end solution faster. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it today really is you got to explain why you did what you did and yeah. be able to kind of back that up. Uh, from like a regulatory perspective. Mm. I always had awful handwriting. So my fours were eights and everyone get confused. So that was (laughs) part part of the problem there. But when you have one of those lenders that may be, you know, kicking or screaming, or I'm sure like myself, you've had conversations with people three years ago and now they said, hey, you know, Michael, now we're ready for this. Like, does that happen? What, What finally kind of gets people back to the table when a lender is worrying about adopting technology? Yeah, great question. I mean, a lot of it really goes back to, you know, timing and, and who you're talking to. You know, there's there's some folks that, you know, seem to be really focused on compliance aspects of things. And so if you get somebody that's really worried about a compliance or a regulatory piece, you know, Jim, those folks, they're under pressure. You know, they, they, they've got to make a change to get back into good standing. And a lot of times those folks will move, you know, really fast. Um, you know, you get on the phone or talk to somebody working about operational improvement and you really, you know, you got to sell that. You got to talk to the mm-hmm. right folks at it. Um, you really got to kind of know your audience and it, the mm-hmm. more you can learn about the position they're in and, you know, what they're doing and what they're worried about, what they lose sleep over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's where you can really kind of tailor, you know, your approach to each person mm-hmm. individually. Um, you know, big lenders, um, you know, they, they've got larger staffs. Uh, they, they tend to they typically have folks very tenured in it. Um, and so they know a certain way. 
Um, and so a lot of that is really, you know, showing the true lift, the true benefit, you know, whether that's cost savings, whether it's time savings, and being able to articulate that to really kind of show what that change is. And then really, you know, patience, you know, in our industry, there's always, you know, the sales risk of getting, you know, from, you know, agreement to actually, you know, closing a deal. Um, then you've got an implementation risk of actually getting your solution, you know, through the doors, getting operations to understand it, getting workflows built out and getting it implemented. And then, you know, lastly, we always, we always track and follow the adoption risk side of it that, you know, a lot of times folks will have a great idea. They think they're solving something, but then they actually get in there and, you know, something may not really meet what they were looking for. So um, we found the more forward you can get around those things and, you know, the more you can really set yourself up for kind of that longer term success with it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that idea of being, yeah. you know, the idea of being like bringing best practices, you know, you know, mm -hmm. almost, almost trying to educate at times. Yeah. You had said something that I always love to ask um, lenders as well as what keeps you up at night? Um, one of my favorite questions. Do you feel like the answers, especially nowadays, are similar? Um, I, I do, you know, um, in, in everyone's world in so many different ways were, was changed a year ago. You know, mm -hmm. March of last year when the, you know, the pandemic set in, you know, it really impacted everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it definitely impacted the lending space. Um, you mm -hmm. know, at the time, lenders had huge backlogs. They had massive amounts of loans going through the pipeline. Mm -hmm. You know, interest rates were already pretty low. And, you know, one of the first things they did is, you know, the Fed cut the uh, lending rate, interest rates kind of followed and, and dropped as well. And so those backlogs, you know, they just spiked right when everything was shutting down. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think lenders have had to spend a lot of time in trying to figure out how to, how to keep the machine going. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not just lenders, you know, even talking to service providers, you know, you can talk to any title company out there. And, you know, we talked to folks that have been turning away business in 2020. I mean, unheard of, you know, <laughs> instead of like pushing the sales guys to go get more, they're having to tap the brakes just from a capacity mm -hmm. issue. So, um, you know, I would say somewhat luckily, maybe providentially, you know, our industry really, um, you know, was in a unique place in 2020 that a lot of folks mm -hmm. weren't in that, you know, we weren't being shut down, but we were having to try to figure out how to operate in a new model mm -hmm. um, with these, you know, record volumes. And so it was, it was really impressive to kind of watch different players across the field mm -hmm. kind of come up with new solutions, watch lenders kind of take on more mm -hmm. of an agile approach to development, to implementation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've got to say it was honestly, it was, it was different, but um, it, it was a heck of an experience I'll always remember. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely can say the same with just seeing the way the volumes change, you know, dropped a little bit as everyone was trying to figure out what to do and then just kind of kept roaring back. And the amount of, you know, of clients I talked to said the same of like, I'm just a, so below water right now with everything just trying to keep up. Um, do you feel that that's the same for folks looking into the rest of 2021 and even 2022? Are those concerns still in the immediate, what do I do now? Or are they looking a little bit beyond of, okay, now I can actually put this technology in place. So when this happens again, we're going to be able to handle it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of a really, it's a fun dance to watch play out. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that, you know, um, we had a great, you know, the industry had a great Q1 in 2021, you know, interest rates are still strong, you know, we've seen a little mm -hmm. bit of uptick. Um, we're headed into, you know, the time of year where the purchase market typically kind of ramps up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the brown grass is turning green, the flowers are blooming, you know, folks are getting ready to, for summertime where it's easy to make a move or make a transition. And so, 
Um, you know, lenders are thinking about that, but, you know, honestly, pipelines are still really full right now. Um, and, mm -hmm. and lenders are, you know, we hear folks that are, you know, they're, they're, they're doing things they didn't have to do last year as far as getting more aggressive with pricing and trying to think through, you know, how they've put in place over the last year some great, um, you know, processes to handle these type volumes, you know, even having to pivot with all this work from home and remote employees that they're, they're you know, you know, make hay while the sun shine and that, you know, folks are really trying to figure out how to, how to kind of keep a lot of this moving forward. Uh, but I do see a lot of people are planning for kind of some corrections and, you know, market percentage across refi and, um, you know, continue, you know, purchase. And, um, you know, you read headlines every day. I saw something, I think, you know, 3.8 million homes uh, deficit that we're at right now from what the uh, economy needs on a nationwide basis and what's out there. So, you know, we've got big inventory problems. Um, and so, you know, it's going to make for an, you know, an interesting purchase market, you know, it's a, it's a seller's market prices, um, you know, we continue to see nationwide, uh, cool. I just got a great house price index that, that shows those changes. And, you know, a lot of states are having, you know, appreciations that are double digit appreciations, not just one year, but two, three years in a row, which is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting, but, you know, also you want to yeah. be very cautious with some of that too. No, it's been wild keeping an eye on the local market here and looking to eventually buy at some point and seeing just the change in prices of houses that may have been sold four years ago at a price that's now half of what they're asking for. And then that's going to get bid up before that. So it will definitely be interesting to see what changes. Um, I know you had talked a lot in the beginning about appraisal and valuation, and that was such a big part of what you did with, with FNC. And then I think a few years ago in our conversations, you started asking me more, hey, Jim, what the heck's going on with the title industry? Or tell me about the players in this space, or what exactly is going on here? So I know that's becoming an increasing focus of what you and CoreLogic have been doing. So how have you kind of approached that industry? What, how is that different than appraisal? And what do you plan to do going forward? Yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> appreciate you asking that. And, and with that, you know, um, our platforms and, and really where we sit in the, the mortgage process from a technology provider, <clears throat> we, we really are, um, we're really extravagant order management, vendor management tools mm -hmm. that are out there. Um, we've got a lot of other products that tie into that, a lot of stuff around data and automation. Uh, so I don't want to belittle any of those things, but, um, you know, what we've, what we've done successfully in the valuation space to grow as we have and kind of build a lot of market position is, you know, the ability of connectivity. Um, we have a, a massive appraiser network of 70,000 appraisers and, you know, mm -hmm. 200 roughly AMCs that are out there that lenders can manage that valuation procurement process through. Um, we do all sorts of allocation and automation mm -hmm. on those orders, um, also automating the review on the backside mm -hmm. of those orders. And so, um, with that, our systems are integrated into a lot of the major loan origination systems out there. And mm -hmm. so, you know, what we were doing is kind of taking a look at where we were in the mortgage process, what we did in the mortgage process with our connectivity, and, you know, looking at other areas that we could overlay some of that model into. Um, and, you know, to your point, <laughs> I think some of the first conversations you and I had were, mm -hmm. you know, how is this supported? How is this done in the title space? And so mm -hmm. really that's where we've been putting a lot of focus. A lot of what my efforts have been focused on the last um, about four and a half years is really kind of a business development move of layering some of that technology, some of that background in vendor management, order management uh, with a new enhanced workflow that supports the title process. So really post application all the way to closing, you know, procurement of title, review of title, uh, collaboration for fees on closing disclosures, all the way to the closing and post-closing process. And so 
Uh, with that, we launched Titleport, which is mm -hmm. our settlement agent, title agent, attorney facing side of the solution. And we still manage the lender side out of our key uh, CMS and Mercury platforms, where we've built a new network. So instead of having this massive appraiser network, we also have in tandem with it, a large growing title network mm -hmm. um, with roughly about 21,000 title agents that are on our accounts. We've got full coverage in the national underwriters, mm -hmm. um, many of the mid-tier providers, integrations into a lot of the title production systems. And so lenders now through the same platform that they manage their valuation procurement can also manage their title to closing process. Mm -hmm. So from a lender perspective, instead of having to manage multiple integrations from their LOS, they work through one partner and get access to a lot of these different vendors. Um, and so that's a lot of what we've been working on. You know, um, right now, from a valuation perspective, we support roughly about 1,200 lenders, you know, mm -hmm. as mentioned, to the tune of about 5, uh, 500,000 loans a month. And so, you know, with that, what we're doing in the title space is we're trying to also provide a consistent experience for title vendors and title agents, where instead of having to receive orders, you know, over email, secure email, fax machine, third party, you know, all this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, a consistent way to bring those orders into their environment and help them even kind of operationalize a lot of that communication and flow. And so um, we, we found some great partners in the space and, you know, I've got to send you another thanks on you know, helping kind of learn some of who's who's who in the space and what's going on in the space. So, um, you know, it's interesting to watch, especially some of the, the COVID uh, impacts around title and settlement. You know, I want to chat with you on this some is, you know, the, the digital closing and, yeah. and kind of how uh, how some of that's been laid out. So what, what have you seen in some of that? You know, have you seen a lot of big changes there? It's going to be interesting. And that kind of preempted my question, right, of why, why it you know, if an appraisal, an appraisal can certainly gum up the, the transaction process, but a bad closing or not getting to a closing, in my argument, could be even worse. Um, so I think it's interesting to see. Um, it seems like there's a lot more problems with the number of providers in the title space than from what I know about valuation, right? Because there's so many different title agents, there's so many different attorneys, and they're touching a lot more of the process and they're dealing with funds. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot to, to deal in. Um, I think everyone wants to do digital closings, right? I think, you know, it's like, I always say it's the, it's the digital camera of the, the mortgage <laughs> industry. The technology has been there for a very long time. Um, and I think right now, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm still not convinced we're ever going to truly get there to be yeah. honest. Um, you know, there's, there's issues on the regulatory side. Um, with the e-notes. I think there's going to be a lot of state-by-state -state issues. Um, I think people are having success with hybrid closings right now and maybe at least the remote online notarization. Um, and it seems like everyone's trying to be that. There's a lot of companies that have um, a system and they want to be that digital closing platform. And this is similar to what we saw, saw in 2015 with TRID, where everyone wanted to be the collaboration for the LE, for the CD. And ultimately the winners, in my opinion, are going to be companies like CoreLogic that already have that huge lender base because it's the lenders that really um, drive everything that's going on when it comes to selecting the title agents in most cases, but actually determining what, what technology gets used. Absolutely. Um, so I think that you just have so much of an advantage by controlling that part of the process. Um, I also wonder too what's going to happen as you move from a refi market to a purchase market. Um, if 
the number of title agents that you need to support are, is probably only going to increase. So what happens now when someone wants, you know, Michael Marino title or attorney at law to do a closing and they're not on your platform currently. So I don't know what challenges you're seeing now getting, getting these people on the market or, you know, you as an attorney has a AOL email, right? Yeah. So there's just so many other players out there and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what's going to happen with all of the headaches, especially when you're dealing with thousands of dollars that is about to get wired from one hand to another. Yeah, no, those are those are extremely valid points and definitely something we're seeing out there, you know, mm -hmm. in line with your comments, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, go to go to the big ALTA, the American Land Title Association mm -hmm. conferences and NS3, you know, um, digital closings, e-closing has been, you know, at the forefront for, you know, ever since I've, I've been participating, you know, back to 2015, 2014. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really that that escalated on the lender side. It was always this mm -hmm. cool idea. It was always something they thought about. But, you know, it's one of those deals where like, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> you know, that, that in-person wet yeah. signings, traditional signings were, were fine and they were going great. It's what people mm -hmm. experience, you know, with that big of a transaction, a lot of people enjoy some of that white glove treatment, you know, feeling a, a good comfort level of, you know, I just took on 300,000, $400,000 worth of debt, but I feel comfortable with what happened. So, you know, COVID definitely launched lenders into trying to figure out how to keep some of those um, balances in play. And a lot of the lender partners we work with have been, you know, very much focused on a digital closing, e-closing strategy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right before you and I got on today talking with a, a large national lender, you know, mm -hmm. in their process of implementing, you know, a pilot process to, to prove things out mm -hmm. for hybrid closings. But, you know, they, they can't finish the statement without even going right into, but this also has got to work for our RON process they have coming. So yeah. it's been, um, we've been in a great seat to be able to, to work with our lenders and share mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, what we know. You know, we've had a lot of success being a <clears throat> vendor neutral solution. So our lenders, who they work with, who they want to work with is who mm -hmm. we work with. And so, you know, that's why we have, you know, roughly 200 AMCs in our network and so many appraisers because, we want to bring that those options out to bear. And mm -hmm. so we're taking a lot of the same approach when it comes to digital closing and working with a lot of the big, mm -hmm. um, you know, e-closing providers out there, folks like eNotary Log, you know, the world of notaries, like the closing mm -hmm. exchange. And, um, you know, even, you know, some of talking with a lot of the folks like ICE and some of what they have going on, yeah. you know, with their full on solution and making sure that we can, um, you know, be a place that for our lenders that utilize certain LLSs have access to mm -hmm. some of those tools out there. Um, but you really hit on a great point, too, especially as purchase continues to come back on and grow. We all know in the settlement space, purchase is where a lot of times lenders lose some of the control. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of times you do have seller driven, buyer driven decisions on who the attorney is going to be, on who the title company is going to be. You know, realtors have a lot of influence on it. And so we've been looking with and talking with a lot of great providers out there, you know, some guys over short track that are doing stuff mm -hmm. on the realtor side. Um, you know, and looking at how can we bring our solution that, um, you know, has a lot of flexibility to it. Mm -hmm. um, so you talk about, you know, an attorney that may be, you know, listed on the purchase agreement as, as the person to close it, but they're not in your network. And so we've been working on some tools, some onboarding tools um, that we can easily bring those people in through mm -hmm. email invitation. Uh, we've got trained support folks to help do that. Um, and, and really, we put a lot of work into the UI, the user experience within mm -hmm. Titleport to make it as streamlined as possible. You know, we've even got the great little Domino's tracker across the top that, that shows you where you are in the process and lets you know, you know, you're not sitting there trying to figure mm -hmm. out what's next. It kind of tries to guide you through that. 
Um, so, you know, a lot of times we say we're trying to beat, we're trying to beat email. You know, how do we make our solution as good, if not better or easier than email? Um, and so with that, we try to take that idea around design and workflow into pretty much all of what we do with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's going to be fun to continue to watch it grow out. I think you hit a very valid point. Um, you know, as long as there's so much differentiation on a state by state basis, mm -hmm. it's going to be difficult to, you know, for, for one provider to rise to the top. You know, I mean, I could list out 12 different, you know, e-closing providers that we're in conversation with or different stages of contracting or integrating with because there's so many different models out there and the industry is not mm -hmm. set the stone. Is it going to be lender driven? Is it going to be title agent driven? Is it borrower driven? Um, you know, and one little twist to it, you know, 2015 to 17, 18, from a lender perspective, I like to call to it, it's like, you know, the Chinese, it was the year of the consumer, Consu you know, the consumer was king. And mm -hmm. so we had massive investments into the point of sale providers, folks like Roostify and Cloud Verga and Maxwell mm -hmm. and some others out there. Mm -hmm. And lenders put a ton of effort into how do we, how do we change, improve, uh, expedite, make so much better the consumer experience on the front end, the application right. process, um, that they also want to think through those same folks when it comes to the closing. You know, they don't want to send them to a, a, another place. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting you say the year of the consumer because I would pinpoint the switch, the focus on POS systems to a very particular lender in a very particular Super Bowl ad that then caused any, everyone to decide to catch up right after that. So the question is, what's going to happen on the e-closing side, right? Because I'm sure you're a lot of lenders you deal with, they know it's coming, but who wants to be the first person? Who wants to be kind of the the innovator at that point? I'm sure CoreLogic does, but what lender is going to want to kind of take on that risk? And how do you balance kind of the fact that these things can be done technology-wise, but what about the business hurdles to get there, the risk, um, the agreements with different providers, anything like that? Like how much is one versus the other, the, the things that take up a lot of your time? Yeah, and you know, I think that's, it's almost, uh, it's almost like an onion, you know, it's got layers to it that, mm -hmm. you know, you think of the first layer of, I, I wanna implement digital closing. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's the core statement. Right. And then you get into it and you've got to figure out different flows for mm -hmm. hybrid versus RON versus in-person, yeah. in you know, uh, IPIN. And uh, then you've got to start thinking about, you, you hit on it exactly earlier, you've got to think about the e-note. you got to think about the e-vault. you got to mm -hmm. think about the custodial aspect of what even GSE implications are to those, at, those, those pieces. Yeah. And so lenders, when they think like, oh, I want to just start with e-close, there's, there's, you know, that's the tip of the iceberg. Um, there's so much more under the water that really has to be figured out if you're going to start talking about, you know, sticking with your capital markets background and where you're going to yeah. take that loan, how you're going to take that loan to the secondary market mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I highly recommend, you know, don't jump in thinking you're going to solve this in three mm -hmm. months or six months. I mean, you really need to consult with great providers out there, yeah. partner with great providers out there that are going to kind of go through this journey with you, um, you know we all feel like we need to have a solution next day, but reality is there's massive compliance implications to a lot of this. And you really got to think through what you're going to do in those situations. And so, um, you know, we, we like to listen. We like to talk with our lenders and hear where they're at. Uh, we like to provide feedback. And then a lot of times, you know, that sets us up to maybe introduce the appropriate partner um, or work with our lender that may already know that partner that they're going to work mm -hmm. with in that process. 
And when um, you're working it, with those lenders in the CoreLogic team and kind of holding their hand through the process, what is that first step? I mean, clearly, as you said, it's not full digital, but what are the, the things if a lender says, I want to get to this point, where are they starting? Yeah, so, you know, we like to take on, we, we really feel like there's a great value add of our solution to, to today's model, to the, the model of in-person closings. And so we really like to say, hey, we know you're going there. But let's set something up that, that really, what I'd say, lays the foundation for how you're going to get there. And so let's put into place a system instead of manual processes, instead of emails and phone calls. Let's put in, you know, what our platforms do. Let's put in a system to manage that communication and to manage those relationships. And when you get the basic workflow and the connectivity out there, you then have that foundation to build your next level on. Um, and so then from there, you can start looking at if I need to route a closing package differently, you know, we route stuff through our APIs all day long. And that's a very easy change for us to help a lender implement instead of a process of, you know, realizing and pulling back layers of onion and realizing, oh, I've got to work with this guy. And then I got to figure out how to get it here. And next thing you know, if they don't have a good provider or partner on that foundation, mm -hmm. they're working with five, six different people with that. So we really try to start with how do we improve what you're doing today with the vision of how can we stretch this across where you're going? Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned that digital closings was something that from your whole time in the industry, it's been there, it's been looming, it's, it's something people have started to talk about. Looking forward, what technology is just starting to kind of get to that point where you think it will be the next big thing? Assuming we all have wonderful digital closings and we adopt those, like what's the next thing coming beyond that that you're starting to focus on? Yeah, so... Um... You know, there's some really, really cool companies out there and a lot mm -hmm. of folks that have been in the title space for a long time that are changing the wave and a lot of mm -hmm. titles done. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with some of the, the instant title, automated title products. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got some of our lenders that are receiving back, you know, preliminary title commitments and, mm -hmm. you know, on average over 50% in less than an hour, which mm -hmm. is just a drastic change for where things used to be, where it used to be, a, you know, industry just 48 to 72 hours was the yeah. norm. Um, and a lot of those folks are thinking through automating a lot of the stuff around, you know, uh, one of the big things lenders have right now is not issues of getting the closing disclosure out in time, the, you know, the three-day window before closing, but it's really accuracy of that. And so we're doing a lot of stuff around data and validation of that, mm -hmm. trying to help lenders, you know, I, I read something the other day that, you know, average, I think at 2020 was almost 10 grand uh, for a lender to originate a loan. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the end of it, they're coming out on the other side, barely making two grand. So how do you how do you look to you know even that up a little bit more? Mm -hmm. And so um, you know we're really focused on right now uh, a project called Complete Collateral, mm -hmm. and with that you know with our plug-in to the valuation and all the data tied to the appraisal process, we're working with our lenders around the title process and some of the data tied to the title products. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our title providers are building to you know what CoreLogic has launched is the universal title data structure, and it's a mm -hmm. holistic data structure that covers title commitments, tax certificates, endorsements. Mm -hmm. And so our vision is being able to kind of tie these different things together. So instead of when you're underwriting the collateral, you know, the property, right. and you've got to go over here and open this PDF and look for something here, and then you go over to title and you open that PDF and you look for something there, and then you go open the flood PDF and look for something there mm -hmm. and maybe rekey information in the LMS. Yeah. How do you how do you access all of that and really streamline the underwriting process? And so, mm -hmm. you know, one of our big focuses is trying to, to help our lender partners get to a place to expedite a lot of that underwriting process, which will just kind of take some of that time and touch out of it 
And hopefully all that leads back to a better consumer experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I love the, the, the reality that, you know, Jim, you, we could go drive on to a BMW lot, you know, this afternoon and most likely, you know, within a couple hours, we could drive away with a hundred thousand dollar depreciating asset. Um, but if you and I want to go buy a house a yeah. lot of times, or, you know, Sally Joe wants to go buy a house. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in today's market, you're talking 30 to 45 days. And so how do yeah. we, um, how do we thoughtfully, respectfully, mm-hmm. um, compliance wise, get to a place where we can help consumers make those decisions quicker, faster, better, um, and also help lenders get through that process quicker, faster, better all, as well. Well, just make it a little easier in the same way that if we had a good experience at that BMW dealership, we'd go back for the next car, right? And, you know, let's, let's do that in the industry. Let's look at these people as, as a long-term relationship that you're going to have. Um, we bring in a lot of home buyers on this podcast to talk about their experience. And the takeaway is almost the same of, I'm happy I have my house, but man, that was a pain in the butt. And I would love to move away from that point. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're wearing one of those little wrist protectors because they just signed 60 documents in a row and, yeah. you know, their hands hurt. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. with you. And that's where I think we're, we're really at a great place that, you know, technology is mm-hmm. growing. Uh, technology is improving and we're seeing it, you know, impact so much of what we do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's exciting business to be in. It's fun mm-hmm. to watch it kind of all play out. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, gets me excited to your question earlier every day is, yeah. you know, how do we position ourselves to, to help consumers, to help lenders through this journey? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where a lot of times for me, you know, I, I look at work as, you know, I get to go to a swimming pool sometimes, like it's, it's great, you know, yeah. and, and, um, you know, there's a lot of things you got to figure out with that. And so um, it's a great industry to be in. You know, I, I feel like it definitely gets me excited. I get to meet some great people out there, you know, while we're even here today, yeah. um, get to share, share meals, share stories, uh, and just build that relational aspect of it that, mm-hmm. you know, makes partnering with so many different folks across the industry. Honestly, it, it, a pleasure, you know, it makes mm-hmm. work fun. Yeah, you did a good job preempting uh, another one of my questions about what gets you up in the morning. So making, sorry, my, interviewing job, no, making my interviewing job easy. I appreciate it. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's so great to see someone in your position dealing with the types of lenders that you are still have that borrower focus. Because I feel like, you know, it, it can be easy to lose that when you don't ever talk to a borrower, borrower in your typical day-to-day job. Um, so I think that's a huge part. Of, of that. So, you know, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, to close, is there anything else you want to plug or anything CoreLogic's doing or anything you want to mention? Um, no, I mean, I feel like you've, you've, you've led me down a good path to talk about, you know, what we've been up to and, and yeah. title and, uh, you know, where we're going, you know, with our vision around, um, you know, complete collateral and, and some, uh, some of what we're looking to change and support in the process. And so, uh, you know, I, I appreciate uh, not only the number of meals we've got to share together uh, in, in many different cities, but I appreciate you having me and, and giving me a, uh, an opportunity to catch up with you in this type of setting and also uh, just kind of share some of the stories. So I'd say, you know, if anybody uh, has any questions related to CoreLogic, how they play in from either a lender perspective or either a title vendor perspective or a technology provider in the space, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to chat with you and, um, you know, be happy to have that conversation. Find me on LinkedIn or you know, Jim, we may be able to find a way to tag some contact information or something out there. If it, if oh, it yeah, absolutely. Sense. Well, we'll cross promote the heck out of this for you. Cool. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for coming on, Michael. Talk soon. A- absolutely, Jim. Have a great Bye. day. You too. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
We'd also love to hear from you in our comments or at lendingleaders at lfsoftwaresolutions.com. A very special thanks to Elena Gardner and Brian Rieger, who help produce our episodes each week. See you next time.